everybody. Billy Holting here. Thanks for tuning in. Super excited for this episode of the Jazz Roundtable. Brandon Fields, Eric Marienthal, and Gary Meek are incredible sax players with serious resumes. Tonight's show has a very cool, casual conversation vibe to it, as the three of them all have a lot of history together. It's really fun hearing them talk about everything from their origins in music to stories of musicians they played alongside. They also did a little bit of playing as well. I'm sure you'll dig it. As always, the Jazz Roundtable is recorded in front of a live internet audience. I've edited a bit from the original, but all the good stuff is here from the live show. There was a technical digital clock issue for parts of the episode, which you'll hear in the form of slight clicks, but they don't really interfere with the content. These shows are free, but if you'd like to leave us a little something in the tip jar, I explain how to do that during the show. But please note that live at zero bpm.com is spelled live A-T-Z-E-R-O-B-P-M.com. We always love it if you subscribe and leave a review, as that really helps us spread the word. I want to make the show better, and you can help. Feel free to send ideas to podcast at live at zero bpm.com. Thank you, and have fun listening. Welcome to the Jazz Roundtable, brought to you by Live at Zero BPM, with your host, Grammy Award-winning percussionist and mallet player, Billy Holting. Tonight's guests, Brandon Fields, Eric Marienthal, and Gary Meek. If you care to donate, click on the donate slash tip jar link in the description or on our website at live at zero bpm.com slash tip jar. You can also tip on Venmo at C-E-R-O-B-P-M. And now, let's get to the music with your host, Billy Halting. <laughs> hey, everybody out there in internet land. <laughs> We're having a lot of fun here trying to figure out why there was no audio. <laughs> Uh-huh. Through all of that. But anyway, <laughs> hey, we're, this is Jazz Roundtable number eight. It's sax night. And I'm stoked because these guys are all just amazing sax players. Uh, we've got a lot of great guys living out here. But let me bring them on. Oh, just before I forget, you know, we're entirely tip-based, 100% tip-based here at Live at Zero BPM. If you want to give a tip, uh, I'll put it up in the Twitch and Facebook so you know how to do that. We'd really appreciate it. Live at Zero BPM on Venmo and then live at zero bpm.com slash tip jar. Uh, on uh, on you know the website, and you just get uh, takes you to PayPal, and you can do that. But let me get the guys in here. Where are they? There we are. Hey guys. Oh, I have to. Do I have to unmute you? <laughs> Hello. Are we here? Yeah, we're here. <clears throat> so welcome. We, we have, are here. Uh, we have Brandon Fields, Eric Marienthal, and Gary Meek. Oh, I didn't turn on the audio studio claps yet. <laughs> so we'll we'll applaud you guys later. But you know, <laughs> it's sax night, and uh, let's see. Yeah. We're going to go through it like we normally do in the show. I'm going to talk about some origin stories. You, you may remember <clears throat> Gary Meek from such episodes as Jazz Roundtable before, and he was also one of the guys that helped out when we were testing it as the uh, socially distant show <laughs> for a while. Great. Gary's up in Monterey area, and then Eric, you're South Orange County, right? Uh-huh. And Brandon is in studio. He's just to my left, about 20 feet away. So, But I'm glad you guys could all make it. But let's start, you know, and just so you know, the order I put the guys in, it's not hierarchy. It's who I, who said yes in what order. <laughs> so Brandon was the first one that I, I said spoke yes to, first. and he said yes first, so he's in the pole position there. So it's nothing, it's not height, it's not, uh, you know, anything else. No. But, uh, but Brandon, why don't you tell us your origin story? How did you get into music? Uh, well, my parents were big fans. My mom played piano when she was a kid, I think up until... She was a piano major in college, but she stopped when she had me. And, and my, uh, she played alto in high school a little bit too. 
So my dad was a big jazz fan, and he had all kinds of obscure collections. He liked those 78s with, uh, or I think they were 70s, with two songs on each side. He had a full, like he'd find one artist he liked, he'd have a whole Georgie Ald collection, or, and he had a Stan Kenton collection. It was great. And uh, so he, what they would do when I was a kid, they would start, they would go to garage sales and buy instruments and bring them home and put them on the wall outside my bedroom and I'd come home after school and just pick something up and make some noise. Oh, really? <laughs> and I started, she started me on piano when I was five and then I played violin a little bit when I was eight and uh, started playing alto when I was 10. That's great. And it was good and they were very supportive and my mom had, she was hip enough to know that I was hearing music on the radio so besides whatever classical literature I, I had, she would pick up a, a book of Beatles tunes and and then, you know, she would put it in front of me and I'd play and I still like the story of, you know, playing like Eleanor Rigby and listening and I and I'm reading, you know, typical sheet music that's in those books. And I, I looked at her and I said, Mom, I don't think they didn't do this note in the recording. <laughs> <laughs> so she liked that. So you fixed the book and sent it back to the publisher? <laughs> and, no, I just realized that, that it's not, that your ears rule. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So uh, you were starting out playing classical and... Uh, I mean, and not too much classical. I should say just regular beginning mm -hmm. piano repertoire. Okay. And then when you moved to the saxophone... A saxophone, I was picking stuff up on the radio uh -huh. And, uh, you know, it felt pretty good. I could, it was the easiest of all the instruments to get going, <laughs> you know, to make a sound on that. It didn't scare me or <laughs> make me not want to play it again. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then, so it was, it was good throughout school. And then when I was in high school, I had a really great band director for the first year and a half at Santa Ana. And I grew up very close to where Eric is from. Uh -huh. and, and so he turned me on to a teacher that... Uh, that I think Eric studied with too, Don Hawkins right, at Fountain Valley, and uh, as well as Doug Webb also studied with him. With mm -hmm. him, but I think they got a lot more out of it than I did. I quit after three lessons because I was also <laughs> playing tennis of all things, and and it was you know I was wanted to play a little more tennis at that point. So wow, and I just kind of you know I actually auditioned for uh, the All-State. You know, when you're in high school, what's that thing, Eric? Uh, Gary probably All Southern California High School. Yeah, day. something like that. You know, you sit in on audition tape or something, you play. And right. I'll never forget that uh, Jimmy Johnson's wife, Leslie Nita, she also played saxophone, and she's our age. And she made, she got in the year that I didn't get in. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's a good little story. And she still has her Mark Six Alto around her. Wow. 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 <laughs> then when did you get into playing jazz? Uh, you know, I was playing in some local Latin and Top 40 bands when I was about 15, 16. Uh, and there were some uh, pals of mine in Santa Ana, Melvin Davis and Gary Wing, and I met around that time. So we'd get together in the garage and jam a little bit and learn Stevie Wonder tunes. Uh, but there was a band <laughs> called Los Chicos that... The, the kids, it was a, it was a father-son band. So there were two, two sons and, and the dad. And he, uh, we'd, all play, we'd play all the traditional Mexican, real Mexican music and then some Latin jazz a little bit. And the kids loved Tower of Power. So we'd play, we'd mix it all up. And it was my first experience playing casuals mm -hmm. was, you know, we'd stretch these tunes and you could blow on them anything. As long as the groove felt good and people were dancing, Everybody was having a good time, and it wasn't until I put on a tuxedo and went to play a second chorus on Girl from Ipanema in Beverly Hills that the guy next to me is tapping my leg, and he goes, no, one chorus only. Well, you know. 
That's great. Now, Eric, how did you get into everything? Uh, well, actually, um, for me, it was more of a social thing, you know, when I was, so, you know, as social as you are when you're nine years old. But uh, uh, one of my really good friends, who I'm, you know, lives right down the street from me now, all these years later, you know, um, and I, uh, you know, we're sitting in the classroom and the, uh, the district band uh, teacher came along and said um, that if anybody wants to join uh, the band, start playing an instrument, you can. And we're going to have a little assembly. So we went up there and they had, you know, on the table, they had, you know, trumpets and trombones and saxophones and flutes and clarinets and, you know, drums, whatever. And, uh, and I wanted to play the trumpet. You know, that was my first choice. And I thought, ah, that's a man's instrument, you know, it's a trumpet. <laughs> and so uh, and so the teacher looked at me and said, no, no, you can't play trumpet because, uh, you know, you wear, you've got braces on and you're going to, you know, you're going to be a bloody mess five minutes later. So, you know, pick something else. And um, so I, I looked at my buddy and said, well, what do you think? And we, we saw uh, the alto saxophones. And um, we, I, neither of us had any idea what it sounded like, but we thought it looked really cool. So we said, oh, play that one, whatever that is, you know. Oh, okay. And playing, and, and um, like Brandon said, I, uh, about, uh, that was in fourth grade when I was nine. <clears throat> and then the, the other instruments, like, you know, limited, but limited piano and, and doubling I play, flute and clarinet, came later. And like Brandon said, you know, I think the saxophone is the most forgiving one. And so, you know, it would have been far easier. I wish she would have said, you know, no, you got to play clarinet. If I, you know, the world yeah. would have been far better if I could play, had three years of clarinet under my belt before playing saxophone. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I studied with, with Don Hawkins and, and um, you know, he's still teaching now, still you know, doing yeah. it and all these years later. Um, and then when I got to high school, I remember I had a, uh, uh, the, the sax I had rented was called a Majestic. And uh, haven't seen one since, you know. <laughs> and so my my band teacher uh, says, um, you know, you, you're starting to get, you know, pretty serious with this. You you know, you should buy a, a better instrument. You, know, you should buy a new good instrument. And he, so he writes it down, and uh, he says, okay, you know, take this to the to the store. You know, Doug Brown, right? At you know, at uh, California, was, it, was that what it's called, Brandon? No, it became Anaheim well, Band, right? Uh, yeah, but I thought you got yours from L.A. music. You didn't? No. I thought your dad no. went up there and got it, because that's what my did. That was always a story I remembered, was that we both got our Mark Sixes around the same time, like when I was a sophomore in high school or something. Oh, I know. Something I remember like I got it from Doug Brown, uh, oh. wherever he was. Maybe it was. It was, a, you know, yeah. a year California, or two ago. After California all. band or California right, music. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Before it, it became the same thing. So I go to the store. And I, you know, and I borrowed the $420 from my dad that I ended up paying back, you know. Yeah. And I, I said, I opened the paper, I said, yeah, I, I, I want a, uh, a Selmer VI, you know, Mark VI, <laughs> you know, Mark VI. Mm -hmm. um, and he hands me the, this horn, the horn that, you know, the horn that I've been playing. And, yeah. And, wow. um, and I've got other horns and gone through other, you know, uh, other horns. But this one, it was just, I was lucky, you know, it was. Uh, yeah. Just, you know, I, I've played a lot of Mark Sixes over the years, and this one just is my favorite, you know, so. Well, you um, sure know it yeah. right now. It's like, that's. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. you think I should know it by now. You would yeah. think by now. Well, yeah, <laughs> it is metal, so it's. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then now on to you, Gary. Tell us where, yes, you, where your musical life came from. <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, well, not Orange County. <laughs> um, I, uh, uh. I grew up in the San Fernando Valley, actually, and um, 
My family's all very musical. None of them uh, did it for a perfect. My sister became a music teacher, actually. She teaches at a private school in Calabasas called the Viewpoint School. And so uh, usually every year I go down and I do an assembly for them and demonstrate all my instruments and stuff. Uh, but uh, I, I started on piano when I was about uh, five or six. We had like a really crappy upright that was... Uh, it was a half step flat, so I developed kind of a really good relative, almost perfect pitch, but not quite. I could I could remember pitches, but I grew up thinking that that B was C, you know, because it was a half step flat. Really bizarre. And when I started playing a when I started playing a piano that was in tune, I'm like, whoa! Like totally freaked me out. Uh, but um, yeah, I grew up. Uh, uh, I started on piano and I played piano all the way up till junior high school, and then. Uh, I uh, realized that there were these little Asian girls that could just read like crazy, both hands, you know, and 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 the reading on piano thing freaked me out, you know, two hands, bass clef, treble clef. It was like, this is insane. I can never do this. I'll never be able to do this, you know. So I want to play an instrument where I only have to read one note at a time. <laughs> so. So uh, uh, my dad had uh, uh, my dad had an old swing record of of uh, you know Begin the Begin by Artie Shaw, and I thought, uh, wow, that's cool. That's a cool sounding instrument. So I, I said, I'll play the clarinet. So I started on clarinet. Uh, I was about twelve, I guess, thirteen, and then I played clarinet all through junior high and high school. Uh, I studied with a guy named John Sitar. Actually, he was a session player in L.A. Uh, you know, he was a great he was a great clarinet teacher, wow. and uh, and then the reason saxophone came about was because I wanted to play in the jazz band, and you couldn't just play clarinet in the jazz band, so I had to take up I had to take up uh, saxophone, and uh, somebody gave me his alto to play, and and I just kind of I played it like pretty easily, pretty well, you know, uh, right right away, and and he was like, holy shit, man, you just you know. It seemed so much easier than the clarinet in a way because you push the button and it went up an octave instead of an octave and a fifth, mm -hmm. you know. So it was like, uh, you know, both octaves were the same thing. You know, to me that was like, oh wow, cool, you know. <laughs> and you know, little did little did I know the can of fucking worms. Oh, excuse me, the can of worms I was <laughs> opening opening for myself. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, uh, uh, that's how, that's how I got hooked. And then and then uh, after high school, you know. I had only been playing for like eight or nine months, so I was terrible, you know. Uh, and the guys that, and I went to Cal State Northridge, and I audition, and I auditioned for the Cal State Northridge band, and I wasn't good enough to make the D band, you know, wow. when I was uh, when I was eighteen or nineteen. <laughs> but that very thing uh, got my ass in gear. I went home and I literally started practicing like seven hours a day, all day long. Wow, you know, have jam sessions at night, you know. Uh, just learned how to rip my scales and arpeggios and, and, and you know transcribing solos and, and I just got I just got way better really fast because because I needed to you know because I was way behind you know like guys like guys like Brandon and Eric were playing you know when they were 12 13 you know so by the time they were 18 they were probably pretty damn good you know and I was like you know but you know I caught up it, it, it took me a minute but I caught up and uh so that's that's kind of how I uh, my my evolution to the saxophone began. I did keep the keyboard chops together, which was turned out to be a really good thing, actually. Well, yeah, because your you know. first touring gig 
was keyboards, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Dionne Warwick. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's, that's a great story. Tell you guys, us. You, you, guys you guys know uh, you guys know Pat Coyle, right? Yeah, sure. keyboard player. Well. Yeah. Uh, uh, do you remember a guy? You remember Brandon Ralph Skelton? I was his roommate. Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, uh, Pat lived in the house behind us there on Hartsook in North Hollywood, and the gig came. The Dionne Warwick gig came up to Pat, and he didn't want it, <laughs> so he offered it to me. <laughs> And that's how I got it. And uh, and and uh, for me, it was like a godsend because, you know, I was like strunk scuffling in town doing, you know, four gigs, you know, which are still probably paying 40 or $50. <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, they, uh, uh, you know, jazz gigs and, and, and bar gigs and stuff like that. And when that came along, it was like, oh, yeah, there's the money you can live on, you know. And so uh, <laughs> I... I went, well, I'm not really a keyboard player, but it was just like second keyboards. There was a there was a piano player who was like the MD who did all the heavy lifting. So I just, you know, I just played like roads and string pads and stuff like that. And, That's the exact and, uh, right amount of keyboard to play. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, and, and uh, it's, uh, you need some chops, but you don't need to be, you know, you don't need to be an MD type keyboard player to, to pull that off, you know. And, uh, and then uh, I would, uh, like, on, on Dion's show, uh, uh, she found I had saxophone, so she gave me, like, an eight-bar solo on one song, and I was like, that was the extent on that show. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, so, you know, uh, it's always helpful. Uh, for me, For me, the keyboard thing has been so helpful for writing, you know, because I can, uh, uh, I can hear how something is going to sound a lot better than I could if I was just, yeah. you know, trying to... You know, I can sit down and play chords, and and I have chops. I mean, I, I actually do real gigs on piano now. I have a I have piano trio gig, man, acoustic piano trio. I, I heard gig. some of that. It's great. Yeah, and it's like it, it's. You tell me when this is going to happen, man. With a brand new Kawhi Grand piano that's tuned every week. Wow! Wow! How often is that going to happen? You know what I mean? Enough. And and uh, you know, I, I, I it's it's Spanish Bay, which is literally like. I don't know. It's probably like a half hour walk from my house. I wow. mean, you can drive there in like five oh, minutes. Man. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, so Gary, it's, remember it's, the? Um, it's great. I walk. Remember that? Remember the New Year's Eve gig we did? I played saxophone, but yes. you played piano. Yeah. That's right. With 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 carp. It with was you and carp. Wow. <laughs> that came. That gig came that day. It was like <laughs> they they frantically <laughs> needed right. somebody, <laughs> and none of us were working. <laughs> That's so great. So it was like... Kept us out of trouble. It was... It it sure did. All three of you guys have solo albums. Do you use the piano to write, or how do you write? Mm -hmm. Brandon, how do you... Uh, you It's... They're all different. There were some things early on that I kind of got... Because I had a Fender Rhodes in my my room at my folks' place. And so I used Mm -hmm. to love playing that thing. And I would, you know... So I developed a lot of the on the Fender Roads and just these weird little mm-hmm. patterns that I'd work out, you know, and then kind of flushed them out into songs. And they were very unique if, if they weren't very um, musically well laid out, <laughs> you know. Well, there wasn't a lot of <laughs> musical logic in there, but they're unique. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, and then later on, I've, I kind of do a combination of from the keyboard. I think my favorite stuff is when I... And then I sit, then I sit down and I kind of flesh it out harmonica and the keyboard. Okay. And Eric, how about yourself? 
Uh, yeah, you know, it depends. I mean, you know, if an idea comes and and um, and it's something that, you know, I mean, it, it, every situation is a bit different. If you're writing something by yourself and and yeah, I mean, I'm I'm I can play enough keyboards to be dangerous. You know, get kind of some. If I want to get really serious about some, you know, some very you know deep harmony, I might have to you know call uh, Brandon or Gary, but, no. but um, you know, but to get, you know, basic idea um, together or to a certain point, you know, um, and, or if you're working with somebody else, you know, we've all worked with uh, Jeff Lorber, so a lot of, I've, I've got 15 yeah. records of my own, and so uh, quite a few of those Jeff was involved with, um, uh, and so every, yeah, every situation is a bit different, you know, sometimes you, you might wake up in the morning and you've got a whole idea and you run to the piano and kind of jot down as much as you can and kind of get it all figured mm -hmm. out. Sometimes you just have a, like a melody in mind or just a, you know, uh, a groove, you know, so the rhythm might just come or the melody might come or the harmony might come or it all might come at the same time. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah, everybody's got a different process. I think what, what I've heard it described is you play a ranger's piano. You know, or, oh, a ranger, right. yeah. Yeah, it's like I can play a ranger's mm -hmm. piano. I can't do a gig, but I can get well, one thing I liked was when we were kids. I think you you played at a bunch of the local colleges too, Gary. I think right, like making just making big band scenes around. I know Eric and I. Yeah, did, yeah. Orange we at Orange Coast College, and, and you know, and, uh, West. and Tom Kubis had a great hangover at Golden West. A lot of great players, mm -hmm. and yeah. a lot of guys went to uh, Long Beach State. Friends of ours who had, they had yeah. a good program over there. So a lot of mm -hmm. it was really a kind of a healthy scene. And it was, it seemed, I don't know how it was all coordinated, but we could just kind of go on the road and do little things. I was just playing in like top 40 bands for a while when I was 17, 18, and 19. And then come, when I was off the road, then I would go and kind of make the rounds with my friends and, and hit these, you know, local junior college bands. Because mm -hmm. I left, I was at Cal State Fullerton. And right before the year was up, I got an offer to go on the road, and I took it because it was yeah. not. I think I went to the wrong school. What was but, your first road gig? <laughs> my first road gig was with, with a band called Soul Incorporated <laughs> from, from Santa Ana. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, I think it's time for somebody to play. Who wants to go first? Gary, you're the veteran here. Do you want to <laughs> play? <a time? laughs> sure, oh. sure, sure. Why not? Uh, so this uh, can can you still hear me? Yeah. Okay. This this is gonna this is a this is this is actually a tune called Move Out, which was uh, uh, there's a story behind it, but it's not worth telling because it's silly. Um, anyhow, uh, this is uh, uh, this is Dave Weckel is on two tunes on on my new CD. And so Dave is on drums on this. He was kind enough to uh, lay a track for me, and uh, you know he's our mutual friend, so we all. Yeah. We all know Dave. <laughs> so here we go. This is Moot. And it's going to fade out, I think, for you guys, but it won't for me. So this should be interesting. <laughs> all right, man. Take it away. <laughs> okay. Here we go. And you'll hear me play a keyboard solo, so I'll just kind of like uh, sit there while it happens. Right. Interpretive dance. Thank you. 
I figured oh, if you man. heard the audience clapping, you'd know yeah. <laughs> the track had faded. Did it, did, did, did it fade out for you guys? It did. It did. It did, perfectly. Okay. What was the name of that it, track again? Uh, it's, called, it's called Move Out. All right, right. And uh, it, it was, uh, there was that, it was just one of those stories like, uh, you know, when you're, you've taken like a 13-hour flight and, and, and you're in the jetway and there's somebody at the front, like, doing some shit like taking out the mm-hmm. bags and just moving really slow <laughs> and there was and there was some guy and there was some guy who was like a, a eastern european guy's go no 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 move out move out <laughs> <laughs> so that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's how the tune was it was, was good with the accent uh, and they inspired yeah. a whole yeah Oh yeah! No, 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 no! <laughs> move out! Move out! Yeah, move out! Uh, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's a great, great stuff, man. Cool. And yeah, and the shared uh, Dave Weckl experience awesome. too. Between all of us, yeah, he sure was good for my plan. I, oh, I probably God. learned more from, you know, night after night with him. Just, uh, you know, one, we played 12 nights in a row, and I'd never played that long in a row <laughs> on one European tour. And it was yeah. b- one of the best things for my playing ever. What did uh, you, did you learn something specific, or is it just music, musicality in general? Well, I think it, I've talked about this before. When you are responsible for the melody and solos and in a small band, mm-hmm. I, you have to respond somehow. <laughs> you know, it can't help but have a good effect on your delivery and your... Oh, yeah. Your overall yeah, and Weckles, uh, Weckles, uh, conception. Dave, Dave's work, Dave's work ethic, both musically and professionally, is pretty spot on. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, 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 he, he. I mean, I don't know. I did you ever hear him make a mistake? I mean, it's pretty darn rare. Well, I worked with him for 35 years, so, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But hardly ever, no. I mean, the thing about Dave is yeah. that he was just, you know, I mean. To say somebody is perfect is not really a musical way to say it, but he's just so incredibly precise, I guess is the way to say it. And so yeah. at first, and he's also very, very direct. You know, we, I, I talked yeah. to him just an hour ago, by the way. He said, yeah. say hello to you guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But um, uh, but he was just always very, very direct. And if I, you know, if I was, if I rushed on a tune, he'd say, man, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Matt, you're ahead. Uh, and at first I was like, well, yeah. you know, yeah, whatever, dude, you know, mind your own business. But, <laughs> but then I realized that yeah. oh, this is fantastic. And yeah. I, I would go to him and I'd say, hey, you know, what do you think? <laughs> was I cool? Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and if he, you know, a compliment from Dave would, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't BS. It was like, oh man, yeah, you, it was, it, you sounded great. And it, or, you know, and if he didn't think so, he would tell you, you know. And that was the thing about, that is the thing about Dave that, um, you know, that some people are a little off, off put by, but, but, uh, yeah. but for no reason. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's great yeah, he doesn't, when somebody... He doesn't care what the situation is or who you are. Or right. What he it's, no. It really and, better. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, anybody can BS you and say, oh, yeah, you sound great, man, whatever. Yeah. But for somebody to be... It takes it takes uh, a real friend to come back to to be uh, that honest with you. Yeah, if they're and, right, you know. You know yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. Well, yeah. That, that, he was always right. and and he really, uh, yeah, right, spot on in that regard. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I'll tell you one thing you know, specifically like that we this. that applies to us a little bit is that <laughs> when I first was playing with them, I guess ninety 
98, I think, after the, the first record. Mm -hmm. And Steve Tavaloni played on it, and he was going to go and mm -hmm. with Steve and Bob Malik. Mm -hmm. And they were putting a band mm -hmm. together, so Steve didn't want to go on the road, and he recommended me. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, at that time, he, I think he had just studied and was getting the uh, uh, traditional grip together, because I think all the early mm -hmm. records he did, when you guys were first playing together with Chick, he was playing match mm -hmm. grip, right? So he, you know, and he really dedicated himself to, like, to learning, getting the traditional thing together, because he felt he would have better dexterity. And I thought mm -hmm. that was really cool because I had to do something similar after I couldn't play soft enough on a film date one time. And, I, you know, I, mm -hmm. I was playing something up in the palm keys on alto and I had to play pianissimo mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. Jim Walker on flute and, this, and the concert master. And, it, you no know, and I couldn't play soft enough. So I went home after that and I just felt so kind of defeated. And I, I said, well, do I want to play this kind of music or not? Do I want to do this kind of work? And, and I did, wow. so so mm -hmm. then I kind of really studied more of the Joe Allard because I was more of a street guy. I mean, I'd taken lessons from a, a few guys, but didn't never really developed. I, I learned more by listening and trying to imitate sounds and concepts and mm -hmm. really never had a formalized way of thinking about this stuff, you know. Yeah, man. Yeah, that can be helped. a very, uh, very freaky situation when you're, you know. When you're so exposed. You know, and you're yeah. in the middle of, and and I was kind of new to everything, so I couldn't say, you know, you're at MGM and there's a full orchestra. <laughs> you couldn't say that. Well, you know, there's an ISO booth in the back, and it gets yeah. going there, and everything would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it forced me to, you know, think about other equipment mm -hmm. and and learn to get my personality out there, uh, even if I w wanted to change my sound or you know the, my approach to playing and be more efficient and as long as I could do what I wanted what I heard then I felt I thought it was on the right path mm. yeah cool, cool. <laughs> well Brandon do you want to play a little for us uh, well I mean I could I don't really have anything to play well, I'm not hawking anything right now I don't have any product well do we have any requests <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, I gotta unmute your. <laughs> I just have an audio issues in here, and I had yeah, to mute it. Really Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, as I, it's kind of an example as I'm working on things, and I stop, and if I hear something that bothers me, if I'm on top of the time or the pitch gets away from me, then I kind of back up and, you know, and go at it again, slower and more sure, and then I try to make sure that all this stuff's working, which has really been the most difficult thing about the pandemic and all the chops because they just, they go away, so. Well, yeah, let's let's talk about that mm -hmm. for a second because we were mentioning earlier just the, the whole issue with, uh, you know, COVID chops. Yeah, it might and, affect people differently, <laughs> but, you know, for me, I, I felt my pitch. I was, you know, because I was still doing a pretty good amount of uh, sessions for people that would send me tracks and I'd play on them and it was great. But then I'm playing, I said, wow, what? 
uh, my pitch doesn't feel centered or something. And I realized that I was not getting very far because I, you know, I, I've, I've kind of been more gig specific in my practicing as I've gotten older, you know, and I don't quite have the same, uh, you know, dedication to working on just long tones. I try to play musical and I'm thinking about applying all these techniques. But like we were talking about earlier, you know, gig chops are different than practice chops. <laughs> you know, so if no I'm question. working on... <laughs> so if I, you know, if I could just take that and something like that and then slow it way down and try to match it and tr take more care in the tone and placement of my fingers and the point of attack and probably a lot of things that a lot of people you guys may have learned from you know other teachers and i was a little slow to that party so i think uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah you're really slow at that at brandon well, <laughs> yeah brandon yeah yeah <laughs> you know you're trying to get some chops man, man. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well that was one, one of these thing days I, you're gonna I get always, some technique happening man well that was one thing i, I always had some speed but sometimes <laughs> Yeah. You know, so I, mm -hmm. I realized that that's what I cringe at a lot of things I've done where I said, well, I'm not really developing much harmonically there, am I? <laughs> oh, man. You know, one of the beautiful things about your playing always is, I mean, you've got, I mean, you too, Gary, of course, but you've got such a, a voice. I mean, I could always, you know, two notes. It's Brandon. It's Brandon, oh, well, you know. Thanks. And, and mm -hmm. it's funny because with alto players, we, you know, you know, if you're playing contemporary music, funky music with alto, it's kind of, you know, um, Hank Crawford and David Sanborn, and it kind of falls off after that a little bit, you know, in yeah. terms of like real identifiable voices, you know. Well, and, huge influences, you know. And yeah. I, I will tell you that I got, I was doing some big band at Santa Ana College years ago, and I had just heard that album that uh, Joe Beck did with Sanborn that came out on CTI, and I loved his sound on that, and it was, I was so enthralled by it that I learned a bunch of the solos, and of course, one of the solos just happened to work beautifully on one of the songs that I had a solo <laughs> in the big band. So what do I do? I play that solo like twice the same thing, and then I hear this voice in the trumpet section, just goes, Brandon, you can't sound like Sanborn all the time. <laughs> and then years later, that same guy, yeah. I forget his name, he ends up coming to a gig. I was playing with Tower of Power out in uh, like Riverside area or something, some gig out there, and I see this guy, and I recognize him from all those years ago, you know, from, from early 80s or late 70s. And I look out there and see him, and he just looked at me and smiled. <laughs> <laughs> like I got it's just my advice, kid. So, yeah. But but you know I did I did have to consciously stop listening to uh, Sambor and Brecker for that matter because it was just so much invading my own you know ideas that it got you know I had to make a conscious decision not to to go after that not not be familiar but have so much of it you know my playing. Right. But I, there was well, a, when I was when I was first uh, when I was first playing like fusion gigs like with Greg Karukas and you know like at Bon Appetit and Lake Cafe and stuff like that, <laughs> I was imitating Brandon Fields, exactly. absolutely, yeah. because 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 it was like he was you know he was like the uh, the sound that everybody wanted. You know, it was like, play this like Brandon would play it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, you know what, though? It, it was cool. It was it was fine. You know, and, uh, uh, you know, I learned a lot. You know, uh, Michael Brecker, of course, man. I mean, geez, yeah. you know, uh, uh, yeah, just I remember everywhere. when I first got to play. 
Yeah, I remember when I first got to play with Randy, I, I, uh, I, I actually talked to him. I said, I said, look, man, if I if I try to edit everything out of my playing that I got from your brother, man, I'm, I'm going to be yeah. up. <laughs> but they did, that same you thing know. happened to them. Randy talks about you know doing a game yeah. with Freddie yeah. Hubbard, and he and know. he just yeah he just yeah he just sat there and went, you sound great, man. Stop, you know, yeah. don't mm-hmm. worry about it. Just play. <laughs> I do have an inspiring and, you know, story was, from uh, from working with Henry Mancini. Uh, the first time mm-hmm. that I got called to do a date was probably the early, mm-hmm. uh, uh, probably like 83 or 84, 85, somewhere around there. It's a mm-hmm. film date. And I show up and the the music, I got hired for that to sound like Sanborn. And the, for, I sit down at mm-hmm. my spot and the, for, the music says, a la Sanborn at the top. You know, so mm-hmm. I, so I, you know, I just, I did my thing, and it, but it was kind of, you know, mm-hmm. which is, that's not a reach anyway. To have that kind mm-hmm. of uh, influence. So, but I'll tell you, the next, I got called maybe three weeks later for another film date, and I walk in there, and before I even get to my station, Henry, like Manzini, Hank Manzini walks up, he goes, Hey, Brandon, man, I just want you to know I went out and bought three of your CDs. <laughs> and, and I really, really nice. enjoyed playing. And so, th- so then I went and sat down, and the first piece of music that's on the chart says, A la Brandon. At the top uh, of it. Nice. So, I, that, so I, I've used uh, that in, in some clinics to just talk about uh-huh. good yeah. about themselves and their their development and finding their own voice and inspire people to, mm-hmm. you know, honor their influences. But eventually, you got to have you know, some of your own stuff to say. Yeah. Well, very cool. well you can't wow. you can't get there. You can only get so far. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it, and then and then you just have to you know, even if you got all the way there, you wouldn't be there. You know what I mean? Yeah. You just you, it's it's a it's a road that has no good end. So And what's funny about just, Sanborn too is that I I have a an online saxophone school called uh, through Artist Works and um and I, I got to interview um David on on one of the jazz cruises, you know, I, I uh for the school, I, I put up my phone and, mm-hmm. and I just asked him if he would do it. And he said, "Sure." And we went over to his cabin, mm-hmm. put up my phone, and and he, mm-hmm. we talked for about three hours. I was just praying to God that my phone wouldn't die because, yeah. you know, <laughs> it wasn't plugged in, but it hung in there. But you know, and yeah. and um, and one of the most interesting things that he really meant it too. He said, "You know, I don't know what people mean when they say, you know, sound like Sanborn, sound like me. I mean, you know, I I just play, and I don't I don't have like a particularly special thing. I just kind of." play and it's no you know like you're the you are you know you look up you know contemporary alto saxophone in the, in the dictionary and there's your picture i mean you're the most iconic mm-hmm. you know you you yeah you know personify that you know and it's oh, it's really interesting mm-hmm. it's, talk about yeah a voice yeah. you know um yeah. i don't know if you guys have ever heard his uh recording with the lso of the cayman saxophone concerto you guys know that from like no. 1978 i mean he uh uh I forget who he studied. I think he may have studied with Joe Allard at one point. Sanborn did. Oh, I didn't know York. if he did. And man, he should hear this because it's it's like it's a classical piece, um, uh, ish, you know. Uh, but Michael Kamen, you know, the famous folk composer, yeah. um, wrote it for David, and and it's just so the middle movement is very talk about like not being able to play something during you know with COVID chops. I mean, yeah. very after you, after the seventeen minute first movement, you go into the second movement. It's all like long tones and high and like yeah. you know really you know could be you know a real serious problem and it's just unbelievable and just so gorgeous it's a, you can tell sort of that it's Sanborn but it's just so great and 
you know, yeah. I mean, he's a true different song. Composers have no regard for the difficulties of saxophone playing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're a sax player. You can do it. Yeah, yeah. So Especially right piano players. Play. It just comes off oh, too God. easy for them. <laughs> if some they of don't those, play some of those, some of those wine guard charts, you know, for Weckl, you know, going way yeah. up, altissimo, playing, you know, weird passages. Yeah. yeah. You know, Jay Oliver. Really fast. Yeah, Jay Oliver too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Both le- left-handed, amazing musicians. Left-handed phrases. Yeah. You know, I'm working on something for Randy Waldman yeah. now, and just just great arrangement and all kinds of odd time stuff. You know, sprinkled around mm-hmm. the chart, and I'm stacking a saxophone section. And I'm telling you, I'm reading these parts, and some of them just don't sound, you know, like repeated notes on the inner voices and things like that. Stuff uh-huh. that you know, I wouldn't think it, like really more difficult, like. You know, repeated triplets are super fast. Or just because Wayne is playing on it too, and I talked to Wayne about it because he's going to send me parts. And, you know, it's like seeing a 16th note run that ends on a downbeat of the next bar, but the downbeat of the next bar is a ninth above where the last note of the 16th ends. Yeah. That kind of stuff. It's like, wow. It's like stuff that just rolls off your fingers on piano, not so with saxophone. <laughs> yeah, that's funny, man. <laughs> yeah. Okay, sorry. Cool. <laughs> I'm trying to track well, down the studio yeah, issue. Uncomfortable silence. While you guys are, <laughs> are talking. But uh, Eric, why don't you play Are we boring you? No. Are we boring you? I'm trying to track, to track down We haven't even started talking about reeds yet, man. That's why I Everybody's asking. They want to know what reeds you guys use. Yeah, what kind of reeds do you use? We have Laveau's for me since I was a teenager. Rick, who's one of our regulars, asked if you guys have any gigs in the LAOC area soon uh yeah, yeah. Uh, i do a, a gig every uh month um i actually okay. just did a gig at spagatini in seal That's, beach okay cool uh mm-hmm. and uh lee rittenauer is going to be my guest on one coming up in two weeks and then uh if we you know have different guests uh throughout the year and go ahead yeah it's my local gig very cool yeah he, he did mention spagatini i'll put some links to that in the show notes for for everybody if you want to find yeah. that sort i've of got stuff. some baked potato stuff they're starting to open that up again a little bit yeah so yeah, that, tonight's that the first, first night. Big night tonight's with yeah. Doug night. Webb and mm-hmm. the Doug Webb All-Stars or something right. tonight, yeah. so that's exciting. I did Good a couple where they yeah. there were half capacity, or not not even half, 30 people inside, mm-hmm. 30 people outside in the patio. Yeah. Oh, How yeah. are they I doing did that one at, early. at uh, Spaghetti? Spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, yeah. I did one. Well, we were playing outside until recently. Now it's all open. But I yeah. did one at, at, mm-hmm. the, at the spud with, with Mitch Foreman. And um, it was all virtual. It was all, you know, um, yeah, yeah, virtual. Yeah, no yeah. audience. I did one of those. No audience there, at right? all. Yeah. I did one with yeah, Don was, Randy, but like early yeah. last year when he first got yeah. the system put in. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I did a live stream for my for my 60th birthday. It was great. With the whole band. Yeah, it worked out really good. But, uh, uh, you know, it's... Uh, but yeah, I won't be I won't be down in uh, L.A. or Orange County probably. <laughs> but uh, I got a bunch of gigs up here. If you want to go up here, <laughs> yeah, Rick. If you want to go yeah. up to, up north, we'll get you. Yeah. Up, Gary will tell you where. Come to come playing. to Spanish come to Spanish Bay every Thursday and Saturday for the foreseeable future. Watch me play cool. acoustic piano. It's the live at zero BPM road trip. You got some good piano chops, Gary Smogan. Uh, well, they've gotten a lot better since I've been doing that, man. You know, yeah. the piano trio. It's like you gotta you gotta play the melodies, yep. and and getting you better play by solos. Force. 
Yes, that's right. Baptism by fire. <laughs> and I do. Uh, I don't know about I don't know about you guys, but I'm kind of obsessive about recording myself and listening to myself and 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 how I'm doing. You know, I record a lot of my gigs and I listen back because uh, I don't hear myself the same way when I'm actually playing. Not quite. You know. I might think, I, especially especially on the piano, because I'm not as good at it. So I might I might think that something feels good, and then I hear it back and go, "Wow, you're rushing a little bit," you know. Or, <laughs> my, you didn't really feel that at the time, you know. Yeah. My mentor in college used to say, "Tape don't lie." Yeah. Mm-hmm. So for for me, it's if I'm trying different setups, or I mean, man. So Eric mm-hmm. and I got our both got our altos around the same time. These Mark Sixes, and my my dad thought, oh, I'm gonna get the best one there is with an F sharp key on it. And I, <laughs> so now the big joke is every time I see it was, you know, Dad, the F sharp because he always talks about that instrument, and it was great. Yeah. It was 425 bucks, you know, and yeah. he went and picked it out. It was great, but it had an F sharp key, which is really we, some, a lot of us don't like it. You know, I don't. Yeah. I don't really care for it. A Mark, a Mark Six with an F sharp key. I didn't even know they yeah, used it. Yeah, yeah, and it gets in the uh, way a little bit. Uh-huh. So, with that high F sharp, so mine, you know, I had it like the lacquer stripped off, and then I had the silver plated. But it's just in the case, and I have that horn still. But I always thought that was great that Eric has been playing the same instrument, and he has seen me go through so many instruments. <laughs> he used to say back in the eighties, like I said, "What horn are you on this week?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Brandon, I used to say Brandon goes through horns more often than I go through reeds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, I've been, I've. Yeah. Slowed that down a lot. I mean, the yeah. same ta- same tenor since 2000, the same 86,000. Wow. And then I, I did with uh, Pop Manilow money. I was in New York, and I went to Roberto's, and I, I bought, I threw down for one of their their, their best altos. It was 140,000 that was in the shop. So that's what I've been playing now. It's Number cool. or dollar no, amount? Uh, 140. Uh, number. Ah. Yeah. Clarify that. It was, a, it was a little cheaper than that. <laughs> wow. You're making some serious money on that little Yeah, yeah. Wow. That's yeah. some serious money. That should be a Stradivarius yeah. saxophone, uh, I think. That's better than that Iceland money, huh, Brandon? Yeah. I, a little bit. I'm playing, I'm, playing the same Mark, I'm playing the same Mark Six I bought from Oleg in, like, 1989. Wow. You know? Great. Yeah. Oh. It's just, I don't know, it's, it's an unremarkable Mark six too. It's not a special number or anything, but I. You make it sound fine. remarkable, you, dude. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think Thanks. one time I heard Mike Brecker say one time that he knows every molecule in his tenor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he goes, "I've been playing it so long, I know every molecule." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. And, and, and I've played, play played other ones. Yeah. yeah. No. In 1988, uh, Chick's band was on the road with with Herbie's band, and, and Michael was on the road. With, um, mm-hmm. with, with Herbie as a special guest. And, and uh, so mm-hmm. I got to know Michael really, really well. That tour last, that mm-hmm. series of tours lasted a long time. And um, so we had a, a warm-up room, um, you know, for the saxophone players. And, and so I, um, so one day, uh, uh, I'm looking at his horn, he goes, you want to try it? And I, I, I was playing tenor on the tour, and I had my mouthpiece, so I'd pick up my mouthpiece and, and his horn, and I'd play it. And I, you know, he says, "What do you What do you think?" I said, "Oh, well, it's great." And he goes, "Come on, what do you really think?" <laughs> it was honestly probably one of the worst Mark Sixes I'd ever played. Just it was really so kind of <laughs> logy and heavy, and you know. Then he said, "Come on, you know." I said, "Well, I guess you know. For me, maybe I've played some that I like better, but who cares? You know. I mean, you know, all that matters is how you make it sound. You know." Um, I think you told me that the low end wouldn't play. It was it wasn't uh, set it, up. It was crazy. You had, yeah. to, you had to really force it, air through it. Or, 
So then he looks yeah. at uh, my alto, and I said, you want to play my alto? And he goes, sure. And he picks up my alto, this horn, yeah. and, and just takes the cap off and, and plays and sounds like Michael Brecker on the Ridiculous, alto. My read, man. my mouthpiece, you know, go, cool, go for it. You know, put some of your stuff, you know, your, you know, your mojo in my horn, whatever, dude. <laughs> yeah. And it was just, yeah. He did have I mean, an alto. I remember seeing one time, with, uh, Steve, he had invited Steve Tavaloni and I over to his place. We were working with George Benson in New York. And I remember we're, we're in, and I see a couple instruments in the hallway, and, and I see an alto case. Just, I guess he used it on jingles or something. <laughs> you want to do Really? Wow, wow. Oh, and man. that was his first saxophone, I guess, anyway. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. What a talent. <laughs> Unbelievable yeah. talent. Eric, you should play, man. I want to hear your tune. Um... Oh, uh, yeah, oh, really? I, 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 I'm, I'm totally unprepared. I was, I, I, you know, I, I had no idea we'd be playing. Uh, yeah, just... <laughs> oh, look, here's my horn. <laughs> <laughs> no, no idea. Oh, no. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I can play a tune. I, I do have a, a uh, pretty new record out. It came out a few yeah. months back uh, that I got Great. to do um, with Randy Brecker, actually. Yeah. Um, we finally uh, got to get it done uh, during COVID and um, I wish I should have thought to have like a copy of it uh, to show people <laughs> just, you know, I've got no, no copies this is actually a, a uh, CD so you, you know I don't wow. know if you guys it's the cover that's, yeah so now if school. I offer somebody a CD they ask me for three more so they can put them on their table but, yeah um, coasters uh, but anyway uh, yeah I'm very very excited about it George Witte um, genius uh, keyboard player produced the record and uh, and yeah. Weckl played on this record also and John, some of right? the tunes yeah. and John yeah, yeah. Um, and That's so funny I, I recognize that because it's Randy Brecker's Facebook I was going to say that yep yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> I never paid close uh, enough attention to see what it was <laughs> That's great I know uh, my son took this picture outside yeah. my studio here so you guys did it remotely. You, we did it all remote. We were going to yeah. do it live in New York, and then suddenly Too things in the world, yeah. uh, you know, went upside mm -hmm. down. So it was all remote, and and uh, but it was fun. It was actually really fun. This a lot of the well, almost all the tunes actually, not every tune, but it is horn section, and um, yeah. and so when we were doing it, uh, you know, when we were getting ready to do it, um, we were deciding how we were going to do it logistically, and I said. I think it's a really good idea, Brandy, that you play your parts first, and I'll match you. You know, yeah. I mean, it could be it could be a little worse. You could have somebody worse to follow phrasing and time and feel right. than Randy Brecker. You know, yeah. and it was that was great. I sat in this chair doing the whole record. Um, you know, playing. You know, like you were saying, stacking parts, um, and just you know, getting to be that deep into you know one of the great players yeah. in terms of feel and pitch. And every note was, in, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm not just saying that. I mean, every note was, was spot on. You know, if there was a problem, it wasn't him, you know, yeah. pitch-wise or time-wise or anything. So that was a really, a, it was just a, an unfortunate that we didn't get to play live on the record, but a right. really fortunate thing. That so did do. George prepare all the tracks and then send them off to everybody? Or Yeah. How did it work? Yeah. And the tracks that, uh, uh, yeah, we all did the tracks that Dave and John played on, you know, did it in their places. And, and uh, wow, yeah. Great. And uh, but this track, actually, truth be told, it's all George. It's just me and me and Randy and George. And George created the drum tracks, and the whole schmear. So, um, wow. This is a uh, uh, this is well, this is actually a Brecker Brothers tune um, called "You Got You Got to Give It." Um, oh that, yeah, um, it. It's yeah, it's from the uh, detente. Yeah. Right, exactly from 1980. So, mm, wow. um, hit a yeah, couple man. buttons here, and uh, take it here away. We go. You got.
This has been a great show. We, we kind of got to wrap it up because Eric has a recording session tonight and he's going on tour tomorrow. <laughs> well, Lottie freaking yeah. not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just means, it just means cats are working now, which is great. Yeah. yeah. That's great, man. So I, how about I you, Billy? Uh, Billy, you doing, how about what we've been talking about us this whole time? What about you, man? You doing, doing your. I'm, I'm doing this. <laughs> I spent all my time working on these shows, <laughs> yeah. and now I have a new issue I've got to track down. Oh, I'll probably be up all night doing that. But, uh, <laughs> but thank you. Well, this, while you're here, before we split, let me just talk about who's coming up on the shows. Let me get this up here real quick. And then Jazz Roundtable number nine, I, I haven't super confirmed this guy, but I'll tell you, he's 97, and he was actually wow. around during the bebop era, and he knows all the cats. So he'll have some great stories. I've tried to work it out that he can make it on the show. Nice. 
Anyway, let me get back to the guys. So uh, I, I think we'll wrap it up, but I'd love to have you guys back on sometime to talk about the remote recording, because so many guys did that. Mm -hmm and talk about the methods and the techniques and mm. passing tracks and how you set everything up, because I know you guys are all, all over that right now. But uh, It's a necessity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, a lot of guys have gotten a lot better at audio and video <laughs> in the last month or so. Yeah. But th let's say thank you again, Brandon Fields. Thank you. Uh, Eric Marienthal. <laughs> get my guys together. I didn't hear it, but okay. There's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a silent introduction. Uh, like, you know bit, it's you. There's a little bit of audio <laughs> yes. drop happening. And I, track, I think I know what it is, so I'll track uh, that down and fix it. But I, before we go... Oh, uh, Billy, can I do, yeah. can I, Billy, can I do a quick plug for my Please. new record here? Yes. Yes, uh, I, I have a new record coming out on Autumn Hill Records. Uh, the, the guy's out of St. Louis, um, and uh, I got it through, basically through Dave Weckl, and... Uh, it's coming out. Uh, we're doing a CD release party up here July 31st, and um, it's uh, my local band, my local guys, but I have a lot of guests on it. Flora Purim sings a song. You know, Dave mm -hmm. plays on two cuts. Um, and uh, it's just it's just really good. It's produced by Mike Lint and myself. You guys know Mike, don't oh, you? absolutely. Very well. The college yeah, program. and he's just he's just such a pleasure to work with. You I know, know he's, it, his guitar, his guitar, his studio guitar thing is spot on you know say hi to so, well, we've been, we've yeah. Been, yeah we i will i'll say hi I, I, I told him we were doing it tonight so i but uh you know he said cool and then that's, that's <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, 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 in the newsletter that goes out monday i'll put links to both yours and eric's new albums out and uh brandon cool. if you got anything do you want me Thank to you. put in there i'll do that as well but just oh before we go uh did you guys all know dave stone yeah bass player yeah yeah. Very sad. He a little bit, away, so yeah. He passed away a few yeah. days ago, and I just, uh, that's sad. He was such a nice guy. So yeah, anyway. he was a super nice guy. But uh, I hate that downer note, no. but uh, thank you no, all again. I'm going to play the outro, and like I tell you every week, I pay a lot of money for this voiceover. <laughs> I hope it doesn't blank out on you like my voice just did. So Thanks, Billy. Anyway, thank you, guys, <laughs> and I will thank, thank talk, you, Billy. talk thank to you, you all Great to see you guys, man. Great to see you. Yeah. yeah. Eric, Eric and Eric, man, it's been way too long. It's been yeah, fun yeah, listening to you guys really. talk. It's, it's great. So <laughs> Anyway, here's the outro, yeah. and we'll see you guys soon. Thanks for joining us at Live at Zero BPM. These videos will be archived on YouTube and Facebook, so tell your friends. These jazz roundtable shows will also be released as a podcast, so please subscribe. Coming up on Tuesday, June 29th, it's the Jazz Roundtable number nine featuring a surprise mystery guest. Please check the website for details. Showtime, 7 to 8 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time. And as always, it's free, though donations are greatly appreciated. Go to live at 0bpm.com for details and to sign up for our mailing list. Also, find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. See you soon!